Welcome to the All People's Church podcast. We believe in loving God, strengthening families, and developing leaders. We are so excited for you to hear this life-changing message recorded live at one of our worship experiences. Remember to share and subscribe to this podcast and enjoy the message. Well, good evening, church family. Happy Wednesday night. Happy Wednesday night. I hope you've had a good day. I hope you're having a good evening tonight on the 23rd of June. Um, I think I was told that the first day of summer was, uh, was yesterday. Is that right? Was it yesterday? I'm, look, I'm looking for confirmation. Yesterday was the first day of summer. Uh, I would argue it was an incredible cold start to, to summer. And so we're hoping for warmer days, warmer days ahead. Uh, shout out to all the kids who finished school. I think today for some people were the, was the last day or this is the last week. And um, shout out to you, children, and to parents. I don't know if you feel great about that or if you're just like, oh my gosh, my kids need something to do now and I'm going to be responsible. So you got to figure that out. Um, but we've got kids camp happening. So you can sign up for that. Um, listen, I want to thank you so much for being with us tonight. As we continue our study through the Gospel of Matthew, we have been in the Sermon on the Mount for the last couple weeks, and we are journeying through the teachings of Jesus, which is the Sermon on the Mount, um, as he sits down and he begins to teach a crowd of followers who have um, followed Jesus because he has now come on the scene and is proclaiming to be the Messiah that they have been waiting for for centuries. And uh, the Gospel of Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount uh, have been so, so incredible. Uh, and I just feel, I don't know, I don't know if you get this as you, as you um, participate and, and as you listen, but even in pre- preparing, I just feel the weight of these, of these messages and it is something I want to let you know that I do uh, prayerfully. And, uh, and I just sense the weight of, of some of these and a lot of these teachings. And so hopefully you're being blessed by them. And, and again, what is the purpose of these nights? The purpose is to slow down. That's why we go verse by verse. We slow down and we ask questions that we otherwise would not get a chance to ask. All for the purpose of what? All for the purpose of becoming better disciples and followers of Jesus. What does it mean to become a better disciple of Jesus, a better follower of Jesus? It simply means that we understand scripture and understand discipleship and what it means to follow Jesus as it is revealed in the gospels, as it is revealed in the New Testament, that we are consistent with the character of Christ and that he is not just someone we look to for good teaching and for good advice, but he is our Lord and our Savior, and we are now governed by him. That's what it means to be a, 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 a person in the kingdom of God. That means we are governed by him. And so we want to become disciples and followers of Jesus that are consistent, that are coherent. We understand what it means that we can actually make decisions not based on our feelings, but on the fact that we are following Jesus. 
Um, and so I want to welcome you. My name, if I haven't said this yet, is Moses Khan. I'm one of the pastors uh, here at All People's Church, and I am thrilled that you are joining us for Wednesday night Bible study. If you have a Bible, grab your Bible. If you've got a notebook, grab your notebook. Remember, we are going to be opening up Wednesday night Bible study soon um, after Acts 2 uh, prayer night, which is July 7th. That'll be the first in-person gathering. And then after that, we will open it up, open it up to you. And uh, hopefully you want to come <laughs> and, uh, and actually sit here so I can look at your, your faces as I teach. I'm so excited about that. Tonight we are in Matthew chapter 5, and we are going to start at um, uh, verse 31. If I can get that on the screen. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, 31 to 37. Matthew chapter 5, 31 to 37. Now, let me, let me preface before we get into the text um, with this. We have heard Jesus in, in, in the Sermon on the Mount do this thing with his teaching where he begins to say things like, you have heard it said, but I say to you. You have heard it said, but I say to you. And I want to pause there for a moment and I want to talk about this. Um, or or let, me, let me read the text first and I'll, and I'll get back to this. So Matthew chapter 5, 31 to 37, I'm reading out of the ESV um, translation and it says, it says this, um, and it says this. Okay, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, there it is again, right? It was said, but I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of the old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one here white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for these moments that we can share in your word. And God, we just pray that you would give us the ability to, to come before you without any biases, to come before you without, without filters, that Holy Spirit, you would be our teacher tonight as we look to your word. We know that it is, it is inspired and breathed by you, Holy Spirit. So be our teacher tonight. I pray for every single person watching and listening to this. I pray their hearts and their minds would be open to you, that you would have their attentions, and that our goal and the lens we read this is shaped by what it means to follow you and what it means to be in your kingdom. And I pray that we experience no more cold summer days. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Um, I, have the, I have the doors um, off my Jeep. Um, and uh, and I and I was driving to Starbucks before coming into work, and uh, and I pulled in, and um, and so it's 
it's weird. Let me just say this. It's a weird experience that there is literally no barrier between me and the person in the window. And so I pull up to the window finally to get my order and the lady looks at me or the young girl looks at me and she goes, uh, she goes, oh my gosh, this is so convenient. <laughs> and I just thought, it is. And uh, I laughed and I grabbed my coffee and I came to work. Why do I share that? I don't know. It just came into my mind and I decided to share it with you. Okay, let's get into the Word of God tonight because um, this is an interesting text. And, and I, and I want to say, I want to say this. I, I completely understand the sensitivities around these, this topic because we're talking about divorce and oaths. Divorce and oaths. Oaths, not to be confused with oats or oat milk. Oaths. I'm going to have a fun time saying that. So divorce and orts. Oh, orts. <laughs> I already messed it up. Oh, man. Divorce and oaths. Oaths. However um, you say it. See, without the S, it's fine. Oath. But as soon as you add the S, it's so complicated. Um, okay. Um. There, there, is a lot, there are a lot of people who have experienced divorce, who are experiencing divorce, um, and they have suffered and ex- gone through um, extreme pain emotionally, uh, mentally, and, and torment, and, and condemnation. Um, and I, I, wanna, I just want to say I understand the experiences you have had and maybe some of you are going through uh, maybe you have suffered as as a child under parents who have divorced um and so so i completely understand that there are sensitivities around this subject and so tonight is not let me just say this is not a night where my goal is to condemn you where, where I make you feel shame and, and guilt. That, that's not the goal. And I'm going to argue that that's not even the goal of Jesus um, in, his, in, his, in his message tonight. So, so there's grace. The Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And so I want to just preface tonight by, by saying that nonetheless, we still look to this as God's word. We, we still look to this as authoritative, as something we govern our lives by as followers of Jesus. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you can simply observe. Uh, you can, nothing I'm saying, nothing I'm going to say tonight implies to you if you're not a follower of Jesus. You can just listen. You can observe on what I'm going to say tonight and what Jesus' ideas on marriage are, not were, I want, to make, I want to make that clear. These were, this, is, this is not what were, was the ideas or what were the ideas of Jesus. No, this, these are the ideas of Jesus when it comes to marriage. This is where Jesus stands. Because sometimes we can approach scriptures and texts like this and, 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 and what runs through our mind is, well, we are in a complete different age and society and time. We're talking about 2,000 years later. Does this, does this still apply? 
Well, the question is, 2,000, 2000 years later, is Jesus still Lord over your life? And if he is, and if you're a follower of Jesus, he has to be Lord. You, you cannot follow him and him not be Lord, him not govern you. So this is a, authoritative. Um, that's number one, or that's number two. Number one was, I understand the sensitivities. Number two, nonetheless, this is the word of God. These are the words of Jesus, inspired, written by Matthew, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so we govern our lives with them. So we're gonna ask some tough, we're gonna ask some tough questions. And hopefully at the end of it, what we're gonna get is not clarity on divorce, but actually clarity on marriage. That's the hope, that's the goal. Okay, let's get into it. So Jesus says it was also said. So remember, he's, he's, he said this before. He kind of summarizes it here. And, and before he would say something along the lines of, um, you have heard, uh, you have heard um, it's said to those of the old, or you have heard it this way, uh, which simply means you have understood it this way. And he quotes out of the Old Testament. In this case in point, he actually doesn't quote directly out of a scripture, but he actually summarizes a, a few different scriptures. Uh, and and the, closest, the closest one is Deuteronomy 24. Deuteronomy 24, we're gonna get into this, but I wanna focus on, I wanna focus on, on this right here. It was also, it was also said, or you have heard, you have heard it said. What is this pointing to? This is pointing to what you consider normal and even what you consider, what you consider good. And so Jesus is gonna go into, but I say to you. In other words, I'm gonna to come to a place that is higher but also better and greater than what you considered normal and what you considered good. And so Jesus is, is, is bringing out Old Testament um, um, laws and scriptures and ideas, and he's, and he's reintroducing them because his, I, his whole thing is, how do I get to the heart? Remember, we talked about this last week where we talked about, um, we talked about lust and adultery in the heart. So Jesus is, Jesus is basically saying what? He's saying, the way you understood the law, the way you understood the Old Testament about don't, don't commit adultery. He says, that doesn't, that doesn't get close to the heart. What I want to do is get close to the heart and I'm going to get to the intent, intent of the Old Testament, intent of the law. That's how I'm going to fulfill it. And so Jesus takes what, what, was, what is normal to them and what is good to them and he introduces his own teaching. Now, the question is, why does Jesus do that? And is Jesus allowed to do that? Is Jesus allowed to take Old Testament commandments and reintroduce people to new commandments that go to the intent of the old commandment? I hope that makes sense. He, he introduces new commandments that go to the intent of the old commandment. Is he allowed to do that? Well, the question we have to ask then is, well, who does Jesus think he is? And so Jesus comes on the scene and, and you cannot escape this. And I want to pause here for a moment because last week I had made a statement to, um, to, to followers of Jesus that are watching and listening. And the statement was, we cannot take the teachings of Jesus, which are meant for followers of Jesus, and we cannot take them 
as, as the center of the first conversation we have with non-believers, with, with people who are not Christian, right? Now, let me just shift and pivot and speak to you if you're watching and if you're listening and you're not a follower of Jesus. I want to speak to you for a moment. Because when you, when you look at the teachings of Jesus, here, here is probably, because you're listening and you're watching, here is probably where you stand on, on the teachings of Jesus and on who Jesus is. You probably stand somewhere around this. Jesus, he's a good guy. He, he existed historically. We know that. Um, he's a good guy. He's got some good things to say. Love your neighbor. Uh, feed the poor. Help the people who are, who are helpless. He's got some good principles. He's a good teacher. Um, you can definitely learn some things from Jesus. Absolutely. Let me see what I can learn from, from Jesus. That's, that's probably your perspective. And I'm going to uh, propose tonight before you that that perspective is not even on the table. If you observe the life of Jesus, there's two options. What are the options? The two options is that you believe his claims, not just his teaching, you believe his claims about himself or you think he's crazy. Those are your two options. People in that day and age, there was two groups. People who are going to follow Jesus and then the people who wanted to crucify Jesus. People who wanted to push Jesus off of a cliff and then people who actually wanted to bow before him and understood that, that he is the Messiah, the Son of God. This is God incarnate in the flesh and he is worth following and reorienting my whole life around. Those are your two options. And so why do I say that? I say that to simply say this. You cannot be integral with yourself if you look at the teachings of Jesus and ignore the claims he makes about himself. You, you have to choose one of the options. Believe his claims, which means now my whole life gets reoriented around him, or think he's crazy. He's crazy thought he was God. He's a lunatic. Forget about it. There is no, he was a nice teacher. That's not on the table. You cannot take the teachings of Jesus and ignore the claims, the ridiculous claims he makes about himself, how he points to himself as the solution to humanity's problem of sin and evil. So make a choice. Either believe his claims, or call him crazy. But you're not being integral if you're just lingering in the middle. Okay, now let's talk about divorce. So, Jesus says, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. So, like I said, Deuteronomy chapter 24, um, why, why, why does, why does Deuteronomy, why does the Old Testament, why does the Mosaic Law uh, even, even talk about this, this idea of certificate of a divorce? Now, this idea is interesting because um, the concept was really the commands were given because people wanted divorces, okay? And so the concept and the idea out of Deuteronomy chapter 24 is that... Um, 
if, if a wife does something that is considered indecent, which is, which is very vague, right? So if, if they do something that's, that's indecent, the husband who has control is, is allowed to give a certificate. So the control belongs to the husband. The woman, the wife, cannot file divorce. So we, we, that exists in our culture, in our society. The woman can file divorce, the man can file divorce. But in this day and age, only the husband files divorce. And the law, according to the law, according to the Mosaic Covenant, the, the husband was allowed to give a divorce on the accounts of the wife doing something indecent. Now, the vague the vagueness of this commandment was being abused, okay? So the whole, the whole idea around giving a, giving a certificate um, and, and giving, giving rules and, and guidelines around divorce in the Old Testament was this, so that people would not rush into divorce. That was the whole idea. We don't want people to rush into divorce. We don't want people... Um, to do it hastily. And so uh, God gives laws, God gives guidelines under Moses, the Mosaic covenant. And he says, okay, well, this is what you're going to follow. This is how you're going to do things. Now here's what happens. What happens is uh, in this day and age, men begin to abuse this freedom that they have as the head of the house and as the one who has the control or the say on the divorce. So imagine this, if, if I'm married, and literally this, it got to this point of, of ridiculousness, where if my wife, modern, um, you know, modern comparison, if my wife burns my toast, I'm serious, or spills food on me, I could, I could say she is guilty of indecency. She, she's, being a, she's not a decent wife. And so what I would have to do is I have to sign a certificate of divorce and I have to give it to my wife and that's it, we're divorced. So, so the man has the control, the husband has the control. Now imagine, because there's, there's a lot of vagueness to this, people are abusing this, men are abusing this. So Jesus says, he says, okay, you've heard it say Say this, you've heard this. Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. Um, this is out of Deuteronomy. He says, but I say to you, whoever divorces, anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, we're going to talk about that, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So in this case, both parties, right? Both the husband and the wife are guilty of adultery. So last week we talked about Jesus basically saying, not only is it, Jesus basically saying, not only do you commit adultery when you get in to bed with someone, you commit adultery when you think of something in your heart that fuels sexual desire, you've committed adultery. Now Jesus is saying here, he's, he's saying, not only when you cheat on someone or when you sleep with someone have you committed adultery, but, if you divorce, you've committed adultery. So, so let's pause. 
Let's talk about this um, a little bit so we can, we can have a better, better understanding. Now, under, under the Old Testament covenant, under Deuteronomy 24 and the Mosaic, right? The Mosaic covenant. What was the purpose of this certificate? Why did God initiate this? Well, it was designed, scholar says, one scholar says this. Let me read these points to you. He says, he says it was designed to do three things. This, this certificate, this, uh, these guidelines. Number one, to protect the sanctity of marriage from indecency, defiling the, the marital relationship. Number two, it was to protect the woman from a husband who might simply send her away without any cause, which is what was happening. Number three, it would document her status as, legitimately, as a legitimately divorced woman so that she was not thought to be a harlot or a runaway adulteress. So I want you to think about this. Because in this day and age, only men are allowed to give a divorce, if, if I divorce my wife, she has no say. She, she, I don't even care about her input. I don't care about her opinion. I simply get to decide if I want a divorce. So I sign a certificate, I give it to her. Now, when that woman begins to walk around town as a divorced person, here's the thought of the community, here's the thought of society. She committed adultery. She was unfaithful to her husband and so her husband gave her a divorce. Or she ran away. She's a promiscuous woman. She lacks integrity. And so at that point, in that case, she would be able to present that certificate and say, no, no, no. Um, my husband divorced me for such and such reason. But think about the humiliation that that woman has to go through. As, as she walks around town and people think, wow, this, this woman is guilty of, of adultery. And anywhere she's questioned, she has to carry out that certificate just so she could prove to other people that she's not adulterous. So when Jesus comes here and he goes, but I say to you, everyone who divorces except on the grounds of sexual immoralities, right? So what, what, does, this, what does this contrast? Well, it contrasts the whole idea of indecency. And so Jesus is saying, you've used this and you've abused this idea of indecency. He goes, no, 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 I'm gonna cut this out because you men are walking around and you are getting married and when you've done your thing and you've had a good time, you just simply write a, a certificate of divorce based on some, uh, some idea of indecency and you're like, call that a day, I'm divorced. And now that woman has to walk around carrying shame and guilt. So Jesus says, he goes, no, indecency is not good enough. Let me make it clear for you. You're not going to divorce unless it's on the grounds of sexual immortality, immorality. Unless it's on the grounds of, of, of abuse and unless it's on the grounds of, of something dying in that marriage based on sin. That's a key point. What destroys marriage? Sin. Sin destroys marriage. 
And so this idea of, of sexual immor- immorality that Jesus is talking about here can mean a few different things. So let me just say this. These are, there, there are grounds um, in what Jesus is saying to, to look at this and understand it in this way. If your spouse defiles the marriage covenant, then you have grounds. If, if your spouse is unfaithful to God's design of marriage, then you have grounds, which would include things like sexual immorality, you, you constantly cheating, right? You being addicted to, to pornography and other things, abuse, constant abuse, mental and physical abuse. He goes, those are, those are grounds. But outside of that, there's, there's no grounds. And so what is, what, is Jesus, what is Jesus doing? That's a great question. So next he goes and he says, if you do this, you make her commit adultery. You make, this is so, so, so important because the idea is, well, if I divorce her for whatever reason and, and people think she's adulterous, what does that have to do with me? I'm divorced, I have nothing to say, I have nothing to do, I have no part in this. So, so her being labeled as, as an adulterous woman has nothing to do with me as the man who wanted the divorce. And Jesus says, no, 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 you're the driving force. That word that makes her commit adultery literally means drives her into. And look at the weight the weight of the adultery is not put on the woman. The weight of the adultery is put on the man. You, you drive her into being labeled as adulteress, being labeled and, as, and, and carrying shame and guilt. So I hope you're understanding the context of this day and age and what is happening and why Jesus makes statements like this and what he's trying to do here. So he says, whoever marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. So in other words, what is he saying? To the man who's just running around getting married and, and any act of indecency uh, because he's the husband gives a certificate of divorce. He's saying, look at the collateral damage you are creating because you don't, Understand, now we get to the heart of it. Now, let me just show you, let me show you this, this diagram right here. And I'm, this iceberg diagram has been used so many times, but, but I think it's the best way to illustrate what Jesus is doing on the Sermon on the Mount because our focus is, is here. This is, this is us. This is our focus. We focus on the external. External. We, we focus on the external. That's, that's our 
tendency. It's to focus on the, the outer acts. It's to focus on how, does, how do things look like on the outside. And here's the whole point of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Here's the whole point of him saying, you have heard this, but I say to you, is Jesus is trying um, in the Sermon on the Mount, is what he's doing is he's trying to get to the heart that's, that's, this is where, this is where Jesus's focus is. Our, our focus, if I can learn to spell, that would be amazing. Pray for me, y'all. Um, our focus is external. Our focus is on perspective, uh, our perception, people's, people's perceptions of, of us. It's, it's, it's focused on our filters, our, our experiences, our emotions, our feelings. And Jesus's focus is on the heart. He's saying something is happening behind the scene that you don't understand. So now with this in mind, right, with, uh, with, with uh, properly understanding what Jesus is really trying to do, understanding that Jesus is trying to go behind the veil to what is hidden and what we don't focus on. That's, his, that's the whole point of his teachings on the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus is beginning to target. This is why he became such an irritation to the religious people is because he began to target what we ignore and what we hide. And Jesus says, no, I am going to deal with the heart of the issue. So let's go back. What is Jesus doing? Is Jesus's focus, is Jesus's point simply to talk about divorce as an act of adultery or is it something else? And I would argue it's something else. What's that point, Pastor Moses? The point of Jesus, the heart, of what is under, underneath it all, of what Jesus is getting at is not divorce, is not adultery. His whole point is that they have misunderstood marriage. That's, that's Jesus's whole point. And I want you to catch this because there are some of you who, who have experienced divorce and you have, or you, maybe you are in the process of experiencing and there's, there's feelings and there are emotions and, and, and there's, well, this can't be right. And there's, and there's, well, doesn't God understand my heart? And, and, and you look at scriptures like this and it's as if they don't even apply. It's, it's, it's as if you don't even want to consider what Jesus has to say on the topic. And the whole point of Jesus is not to look at you and say, hey, you divorced person, you're an adulterer. That's not the point. What is Jesus' point? Jesus' whole point is to remind people of marriage. What is marriage? It's as if Jesus is saying, the whole reason we're, we're having this conversation about adultery and, and, and divorce is because you have misunderstood the root. You have misunderstood marriage. And so now you are suffering the consequences of that. See, I'm not gonna get into this too much, but in Matthew chapter 19, 
Jesus, we're going to get to this when we get to Matthew chapter 19. God knows when that's going to be. But Jesus is asked a question by the Pharisees. Jesus, are we, um, what, what do you say about divorce? Because Moses said we, we can divorce. And Jesus goes, you missed it. The whole reason Moses even allowed you to get divorced is because your hearts are so hardened. Wow. And so that's, that's, that's this whole thing is, is the whole point of this is, is not divorce and adultery. But why does he put that weight so that we would sense the sanctity of marriage so that we would properly understand marriage as something that was supposed to be permanent. Something you don't just fly into. Something you don't just rush into without properly understanding the way. Without properly understanding what this means. Two. Male. Female. Under God. Becoming one flesh. And what God has joined, let no man separate. That's Jesus' whole point. His whole point is to point people back to God's original design for marriage. And so in Matthew chapter 19, when he's asked those questions and he says, Moses only allowed you to get divorced because your hearts are so hard. He, and then Jesus says, but in the beginning, it was not so. What's the beginning? The first pages of Genesis. When we see Adam and Eve coming together as one flesh, let me say this, it was instituted by God. Why is there such weightiness to this? Because marriage isn't something humans create and God decided to bless. No, no, no. Marriage is something God created and gave as a gift to humanity. It was God who told Adam he needs a partner. It was God who created Eve out of the rib of Adam. It was God who instituted them as a marriage, uh, as married, as one flesh, who commanded a blessing over them in the first pages of Genesis. God does that. So that's Jesus' whole point. Jesus' whole point is not so you stand there based on your experiences and what you've gone through and maybe what your parents have gone through and what you've suffered uh, because of what they've gone through. It's not so you stand there condemned. There's no condemnation against those who are in Christ Jesus. But what's the point of Jesus? The point of Jesus is so that we would come back to God's design for marriage. That's the whole point. What is he doing? He's, he's saying, in my kingdom, right? The whole premise of this teaching is Jesus is inaugurating the kingdom of God. He is creating a people of the kingdom. And so in one way, what Jesus is saying is, in my kingdom, this is what marriage is. In my kingdom, divorce rates are actually low. Why? Because people follow God's design for their lives. And when people follow God's design for their lives, marriage follows God's design. 
And when marriage follows God's design, it too, just like you as an individual follower of Jesus, marriage too becomes distinct. That's the, that's the picture Jesus is painting. And oftentimes, marriages suffer not because the marriage didn't follow God's design, but because the people or one party, one person didn't follow God's design. And so the marriage couldn't follow God's design. And then you have disaster and pain and hurt and betrayal and unfaithfulness. Now, let me say this before I continue. There's grace. There is grace. Now, before we understand grace, let me say this. If if you are and have gone through this process, and Jesus is very clear on what he says. In fact, in Matthew 19, he repeats this and his disciples are like, well, then we might as well not get married. Before we get to the grace, I want to make sure we understand that there needs to be a, a sense and a need for repentance. What does that mean? It means when we miss the mark on God's design, we, we don't first cling to grace. We first take a posture of repentance. We first come to the place where we say, God, I missed the mark. I, I didn't follow your design. And we posture ourselves in a place of, of humility before God. And there, God opens the windows of heaven and begins to pour out grace, or as Paul says, unlavished, or uh, he, he lavishes upon us his mercies. And, and that's not just the case with this, it's the case in, in any area of our life where we miss the mark. Because here's the issue. The issue is if we don't consider God's design and if we don't come to a place of humility and a place of transparency and honesty where we can say to God, God, we missed your design. If we just look at this and say, well, this doesn't apply today, then that logic is going to begin to creep into all areas of your life. And so you're going to begin to live in cycles 
without ever repenting, without ever coming to a place where you realize that you're a sinner, without ever coming to a place where you realize that, you're, that you missed the mark. And so this, this, this bleeds into homosexuality. This bleeds into lying. This bleeds into uh, an addiction with, with, with porn. This, this bleeds into an addiction with, with lying and, 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 and cheating on my taxes and, and all sorts of things. This, this, begins to, this, begins, this, begins, this logic begins to go into all areas. It seeps into the crevices of our, of our entire lives. And, 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 and we no longer become disciples of Jesus who are following in his footsteps, who are being led by Jesus. But our Christianity begins to, to be shaped and formed by our own desires and our own preferences. And at that point, you're no longer following Jesus. At, at, at that point, you have not only just missed the mark, you have misunderstood Christianity. You have misunderstood following Jesus. And this is why people will make statements when it comes to relationships and marriages and, and remarriage and divorce and, and all sorts of things that will say something along the lines of what well, God is leading me. God is leading me to be divorced. God is leading me to be with this person instead of my wife. God is, and I humbly propose before you that if, if God is leading you to something that is contrary to his design, that's not God. And I would just humbly propose before you from a heart that, that, is, that is focused on, on loving you that you don't know God. not to condemn you. It's not to make you feel guilty. It's not. I do that out of love so that you can come to a place where you recognize that, that being in his kingdom means being under his reign and his dominion. It means being governed by him. And so if you're making decisions based on what God is leading me and God is, and yet those decisions are contrary to his design and his teachings, you don't know God. You are deceived. And what you've become is maybe God conscious or spiritually minded, but you have not become a follower of Jesus. And, and just in case you think, well, being God conscious is enough, Jesus' whole thing about coming on the scene and revealing himself to be who he is, Jesus makes a statement, you cannot know God apart from me. Our own, the, the only true way to know God is through Jesus. And so being God conscious is not enough. Being God conscious is, is not going to secure your eternity. You might do a few good things, 
but you're not gonna have eternal life. The only way to do that is to come into a place and into a posture where you realize you have functioned outside of the design of God, outside of the design of your creator, whose image, in whose image you are made, you functioned outside of his design. And so you come to a place where you say, you realize the disconnect. And the only way to come into right alignment is through Jesus. And so hopefully you can do that. Hopefully God is working in your heart, God is working in your mind, and God is doing something on the inside of you that is exposing the self-deception And I pray that you can come into a place where you realize that and you can actually get to know God through his son, Jesus. The Bible says if we believe in our hearts and if we confess with our mouths, he is faithful to forgive and give eternal life. I'd like to pray for you. God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for doing something on the inside. Thank you, God, for, for actually caring about not just our outer conditions, but the conditions of our hearts. Thank you for caring about us being disconnected from you. And I just ask, Lord, even as we, as we spoke tonight, that you would just bring us to a place and a posture where we recognize that disconnect, that, that there is a disconnection, that there, something is misaligned. And God, that we would just put our faith in your son, Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins so that we would be made right with you. I pray for those who might be feeling shame or guilt or condemnation. And I just ask that their hearts and minds would be flooded by the grace that is on display as we look to Jesus on the cross. Let no one who is in Christ stand in condemnation. I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your empowerment. I thank you that you pick us up and allow us to still live lives of purpose and lives that make a difference. I pray, God, for those who might be hearing my voice and who have not trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sin. And I just pray, Lord, that they would make that decision right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.